In today's episode of Vantage Voices, Danny Ertel of Vantage Partners hosts David Olson for a conversation on emotions. David Olson discusses AARS, the role of emotions in negotiation, and how the AARS tool has helped him shape the culture at his fiber optics company, QPC. David shares stories about leading QPC through COVID and gives advice to early career professionals on managing challenges in the workplace. So welcome back to uh, to another of our podcasts. And uh, my guest today is uh, David Olson. David brings decades of experience negotiating complex deals, managing global teams, and he's currently the chairman of a U.S.-based optical technology company. Uh, but Dave, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Danny, I'm a uh, New Englander. I grew up in, in uh, the suburbs of Boston. <laughs> I went to uh, college at Brown University, went to business school at, at HBS. Um, I hired into Exxon right after undergraduate school, and I worked at Exxon for 42 years. I had a number of different types of jobs, uh, engineering, project management operations, environmental and regulatory, litigation support. Uh, but the last 20 years were spent doing uh, commercial negotiations as lead negotiator on some of Exxon's largest upstream projects. Um, some that really uh, influenced my uh, view and experience with negotiation included the Cutter Gas LNG project, which on which I was active quite a bit during the, uh, the mid 2000 period, 2003 to 2006. And another of the large mega projects that I worked on was uh, he- Hebron offshore Newfoundland and Labrador. And right after that was the Hibernian extension. And those projects kept me busy from about 2007 to 2011. So I had quite an opportunity to um, see the ebb and flow of negotiations. And um, we can talk about that more today. And you're now at QPC Fiber. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I'm at QPC Fiber Optic in Laguna Niguel, California, and we are a, a small business. We're about 40 uh, employees, and we make um, fiber optic connectors and cable assemblies for use in harsh environments. And uh, as you might expect, um, it's not easy to be an internationally competitive manufacturing company located in Orange County, California which means that we need to be laser focused on our target markets and we compete on the basis of high quality and on-time delivery. And we sell to customers that are in the uh, military slash aerospace, industrial and broadcast and entertainment spaces. And these are uh, situations or customers that are um, involved in using very expensive high-end systems um, and um, They're prepared to pay what they need to pay uh, to have high reliability of their fiber optics. That's great. So, so this framework says that there are there are these core concerns that that people have, as you've mentioned, that that uh, Roger and Dan uh, boil down from a lot of drivers of many emotions, um, and they tell us that we need to to show appreciation, right? Right. And we need to respect people's autonomy. We have to express or create some kind of affiliation between us. Those are the three A's. Right. Um, 
We need to recognize um, the, the role that they're playing um, in the negotiation. And we need to show respect for, for the status that they have, uh, whether it's due to experience or hierarchy or, or, or whatnot. Have you found that that framework helps you understand your counterparts better? Have you found it helps you diffuse conflict? Tell me a little bit about how you've, you've put the framework into action, um, maybe more recently, maybe in, in some interactions at, at QPC. So QPC, as I indicated before, is a small company, about 40 people. And particularly as we go through this uh, COVID downturn and, come and rebound from it, it's been a very difficult thing to, uh, to uh, hire uh, competent production staff and retain them. So um, I have found that the framework is very useful to create a positive environment among our staff at QPC. And um, I found that the, the, the simple uh, aspect of the AAARS framework, it's easy to say, it's, it's easy to remember. Um, and I will, whenever we get the opportunity, whether it's in our management discussions or with people on the floor, whether in our management discussions, I will remind them of this framework, AAARS. I will remind them that people want to feel appreciated. They want to feel part of the team. They do not want to be dictated to. They want to feel as though they have some autonomy and control over what they're doing. Um, they, they want clarity with regard to what their role is. They want to feel as though their role is important in, in relation to the company. And what we want, and what I talk about all the time with, with our leadership team and our in, employees, is we want them to be willing to cross-train and take on new roles. That's critically important to our business. And then finally, we want them to feel as though they're a valued human being. So we have, we have quarterly uh, safety meetings with our overall team. We have team building meetings with our overall team. And uh, what I always try to do is to remind them what the three key priorities at QPC are safety, compliance, and, and, uh, and, and trying to generate enough money to pay the bills. But I also remind them of what the core concerns are, that, you know, the appreciation, affiliation, autonomy, role, and status. And people want you to say good morning to them. They want you to exhibit that you appreciate the fact that they're working hard and so forth. So it's critically important for our company to retain staff and to have a positive environment among the staff. Sounds like a nice way to embed some elements of, of, a, of a culture in an organization, um, because these are fundamentally things that humans care about. So if you can reflect those in your culture, um, it should be a good thing for, for retention. Everybody is talking now about the great resignation and the challenges in, in finding and in retaining uh, employees. Um, it seems like people have sort of reflected a little bit on what they want out of their work environment. Are you finding um, that this kind of a culture and that this, the, the use of this calling out these kinds of concerns, is that helping you with retention? Yes, um, it is. It helps in a couple of different ways. Um, first of all, it helps in making termination decisions. You know, as we went through a downturn 
in the um, in the business because all the broadcast activity basically came to close, you know, came to shut down. You know, some of our customers were providing broadcast equipment for or, or fiber optic connectivity for the Olympics, as an example, or sta- stadium events. So as the as all of that started to shut off, uh, we needed to make some staff reductions to survive through this period. Staff reductions coupled with PPP money and so on and so forth has enabled us to come through it. And when we sit down and make a decision about who goes and who stays, the people whose behavior is inconsistent with the five core concerns, they go, they go. People who are con- uh, contributing in a negative way to drama, they go, all right? And so then we turn the corner and we start to bring in people that are, that are, um, positively affected by the discussion about the environment that we're trying to create and the importance of these five core concerns. So when I would engage with candidates on the phone for half an hour, um, I would ask them, well, what do you think about what I, what you heard me say? Oh man, I've never heard anybody uh, say that kind of thing in the, in the context of an interview, you know, as a, as a, as a production person, um, offered into an organization by a staffing agency. If I get two or three minutes, you know, and get told just to come over, that's all I ever get. But to the extent that you take 30 minutes on the phone with me and explain what you're trying to do from a, uh, from a company culture point of view, my goodness, I'm looking forward to coming over and meeting you face to face. So if you had to, to give some advice, Dave, to, um, to somebody sort of at the beginning of their career, um, thinking about being engaged in complex negotiations or just in managing through through the challenges that everybody faces in the workplace today, what are a couple of takeaways from from your experiences years ago not not in the very beginning, but years ago, I was involved in a, a negotiation uh, that uh, was led by a manager who had an attitude or a philosophy. And the philosophy was, I never give anything unless I get something. And he was, he was uh, dealing or exchanging with a notion that it had to be kind of contemporaneous. If I give you this, you've got to give me that. And I absolutely do not believe in that and do not agree with that. The, uh, the, the key thing in negotiation is to pay close attention to what the other party needs. What are, what are their, what are their uh, basically the, the essence of what they need? And, and reflect on what's the essence of what I need. And then look for a solution space. Look for a, an envelope where you create, uh, you create a package, if you will, that will satisfy the needs of the other party, satisfy your needs. And so that's kind of one thing is just to recognize that the other party's got needs and you've got to, you've got to have a deal. You have to accomplish those. The second thing is um, what I call um, equilibrium. Um, You have to, you have, your deal has to have a a stable equilibrium. It has to be stable under some disruptive forces. Oil prices change, political politics change, many, many things can change. So what I have found 
um, along the way is that normally there's an asymmetry of awareness and knowledge, right? And so I, as somebody who's very experienced, got an engineering degree, business degree, you know, I got the, a good lawyer with me. Uh, we always are smarter than the people we're negotiating with. So it's possible oftentimes to come up with a, a you know, ostensible agreement but it's not fair. It's not balanced. It's not, it's not uh, stable under disruptive influences. So the second thing is do not have an aspiration to take advantage of your counterpart because quite likely you'll end up with an outcome that just won't hold up. Somebody will challenge it. It just, it just won't make any sense. Maybe the third point is um, it's critically important to have a relationship with your negotiating counterpart where you can talk um, in a very straightforward way, be very forthright, very open. And, um, and by you doing that, you'll get some reciprocity from the other party. And um, those are, are pretty uh, essential ingredients to successful negotiations. That's great, Dave. Thank you. And I would imagine that uh, AAARS plays a pretty important role in building that relationship and, and in managing that relationship with your counterpart. Well, thank you, Dave, for sharing some time and sharing some stories with us today. We really appreciate it. You're and, quite welcome. Uh, look forward to uh, visiting with you again sometime. <laughs> That's all for this episode of Vantage Voices. Vantage Voices is produced by Vantage Partners, a consulting and training firm that empowers companies to innovate more quickly execute with greater discipline, and collaborate more effectively for sustained impact and growth. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.